Welcome, welcome to 561 Music. My name's Ben. And I'm Hector. How are you, Hector? I'm a little under the weather. I'm fighting a cold, but I'm uh, doing my best to get better by Saturday, because Saturday we're having our super amazing festival! Very exciting. (laughs) It's incredibly exciting. And I appreciate you coming, even though you're not feeling 100%, buddy. Oh, man. I I definitely definitely, uh, sucked a little life out of me today, but that's fine. I'm here. I'm here. We're going to do this thing. We're going to have some fun. Yeah, we We are. We've got a good guest today, and uh, we're going to have an amazing festival Saturday. We have Spread the Dub, Sierra Lane, Sons of a Tradesman, No Name Ska Band, Bryce Allen Band, Victoria Lee, Joey Caldereo, BFD, The Shake, Jake Walden Band, Sandman Sleeps, Fall Victim, Jacob Tacos, Josh Miles, Dominic Delaney, Ben Childs, Alyssa Kuhn, Fox Maple, and Paper Carcass. And we have two stages. We have a main stage and an acoustic stage. Um... Uh yeah man it's going to be going to be pretty amazing it's 10 dollars yeah you can get your tickets online um if you do uh if you do a combo ticket right now you can get a a ticket and a shirt for 25 dollars and that'll save you a few bucks cuz at the festival it'll be 10 dollars to get in and 25 for the shirt so save some money and do the combo ticket up front um also there will be tickets available at the door but we are only accepting cash at the door so do yourself a favor and get the tickets online it'll just be easier for everyone involved absolutely and you know it's nice for us because uh we don't have to freak out quite so much in terms of like is <laughs> people going to show up to this thing so i'm really looking forward to it one of the good things about the way we did it is you can't miss anyone because um there's two stages but in the same spot so we're just going back and forth in the same room so there's going to be constant music the yep. entire day and um you know it's just like kind of you know reggae sound systems type situation like a versus situation yeah you know you've got one band on and then as soon as they stop the other band comes on back and forth like that yeah i saw somebody commenting on one of our posts today and uh, and was was upset uh, not upset but they were they were uh, hoping that they were going to catch two different bands that that looked like they were playing at real close to you know same start times and um, I had to make it clear to them that uh, um, that yeah that we're alternating the stages back and forth. So if you're there to see multiple bands, um, this is not like some of those other festivals where you have 17 stages and there's 14 bands playing at the same time. You will literally have one band playing at any one time. So if you're there to see 10 bands, you can see all 10 bands. If you're there to see 20 bands, you can see all 20 bands. Yeah, but by the same token, if there's someone you really want to watch, make sure you get there promptly because the set's for nearly everyone, a half an hour. So, you know, blink and you'll miss it. You've got to get down for the bands that you want to support. I mean, you know, ideally you'd come and support everyone, but if there's someone you desperately want to see, then uh, try and get down, you know, for the beginning of their set because it's like half-hour sets. The last two or three bands have um, longer sets, but but everyone else has a half-hour set. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, make sure you get down there. And, and thank you very much to all our sponsors, uh, our banner sponsor, Backsaver LLC, um, Harmony Management Group. Big um, up Mary. Yep. Our, our in-kind sponsors, uh, Live Music Community um, and uh, Easy Tees for uh, supplying our, our T-shirts. And, uh, you know, it's going to be fun. And also thanks, James, for coming and helping with the sound. Absolutely. And all the volunteers. And who've, um, all the volunteers, yeah. they're going to be there. Um, you know, every single one of you guys, you're, you're making this possible. Um, you know, those those that don't know, and we've, we've said this to a few people already, um, you know, this isn't uh, – you know, yes, we have a few sponsors, et cetera, and it's helping to fray some of the costs, but this isn't something that's a big money maker or anything like that for us. Um, ben and I are basically doing this out of pocket. The the you know, the sponsors and stuff are helping to fray some of the costs. Um, but anything that's left over and, and 
there's a considerable amount left over. Um, ben and I are coming out of pocket for this, and so we're not doing this to make money. We're doing this truly for the same reason we do the podcast, because we love music, yep. we love original music, and we want to support the local original music community. So, you know, please help us out by coming and showing up and buying a ticket and helping us defray those costs and, and helping us to be able to continue to do these kinds of things because we love doing it. Yeah. Um, we love doing it for the community. We love doing it for the for the artists. Um, you know, hopefully everybody enjoys these kinds of things and, and we can continue to do it. So Yeah, I can't wait. I mean, you know, pretty much all of my friends at this point are musicians and um and uh all, all of the people playing, you know, I Oh, my friends. So it's going to be great. I'm just going to be in a big group of my friends. I can't yeah. wait. It's yeah, going to be no, so it much gonna fun. It's going to be fun. It's going to be really fun. Yeah. So we have uh, Mr. Mike Locke with us today. Hey DJ there. Mike Locke. How's it going, dude? Good. Hey, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks hey, for coming man. on, man. Yeah, so we first met years ago um, playing punk shows and propaganda, didn't we? Uh, yeah, probably propaganda, yeah. Punk rock. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure at some point it was, uh, you shared a bill over there. I mean, that place is an institution, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Love yeah. it. Yeah, Matt, you know, one of the good things about um, No Name Scar Band is slash was that Matt um, Matt was in it, so we got to play cool shows yeah. all the time of propaganda. Yeah. We were very lucky with that. But yeah, um, that, that that was one of my um, favorite sort of bands from around here, Octo Gato. You guys are dope. It was amazing. I always appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, man. So um, now, now you're playing house music. Yeah, it's a yeah. little bit of a leap, isn't it? Well, I tell you How'd what, that <laughs> it's fantastic, and um, you know, I I love your original tunes; they're badass. And um, I guess the first question that we ask everyone when they come on the podcast is, why did you start? How did you get into music right at the beginning of all of this? Like, um, did did your parents musical? Like, how did it all happen? Not really. Not my parents were musical. I mean, they were always they you know they shared music with me as a kid, you know, and you know I, I was always around good music. You know, I probably first music was probably like michael jackson or something like that you know okay. you know but when i came into my own i uh, i realized there's like all this great heavy music out there and then i you know i, I saw metallica you know and as a kid i was right. like whoa i want to be james Hetfield. okay i want to do that <laughs> yeah i want to play rhythm guitar that's like super heavy and be that guy yeah man you know yeah and that's certainly. what that's and just wanting to like learn how to play guitar and learn how to play those metallica songs that's what got me into playing how old were you when you uh picked up a guitar I picked it up or actually uh, learned how to play it. Uh, two different <laughs> things, right? Yeah. I think I got my first guitar when I was maybe, I don't know, 10 or so. Okay. Took a little bit of lessons, you know, for a year or two. Got frustrated and then picked it up a few years later. Gotcha. Then put it down again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, that's cool. Um, so it wasn't really like a, a lot of people who come on here, um, they sort of, you know, they, they have very musical families and that's sort of how they ended up doing it. But this is just more like your own sort of like thrust of a yeah, thing, I, mean, I guess. I don't know. I mean, my, my, uh, my, my grandmother is, uh, you know, a pianist and, and she's into choral, you know, choral stuff with her church. And my mother's an artist. Oh, really? Visual artist. Oh, and cool. was an art teacher and an artist for many years as well, too, still is. Yeah. So maybe that's where the creativity comes from. Yeah, maybe, yeah. yeah I'm not sure. That's really interesting. Yeah. In terms, outside of Metallica, do you have any um, other like early uh, influences in terms of music bands? Yeah, I mean, for, for me in the beginning, it was all that heavy stuff, that like, that, you know, heavy, heavy grunge stuff from that, that mid-90s, you know, like Alice in Chains and, and all of that, that kind of stuff is what got me into playing, you know, Nirvana, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then later on, I discovered punk, and that was that was that was when it changed. It's like, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> it just kind of clicked. Yeah, yeah got it. Yeah. yeah, I think um, it's quite interesting that um, you and I have almost reverse musical paths. Yeah. In that, when I was a teenager going into my early twenties, 
all I cared about was dance music and electronic music. It was it was just like a religion to me. You know, I I was just used to. So it started off being like Warp Records and Apex Twin and everything. I was listening to all that kind of thing when I was like fourteen, fifteen, and then um, and then it gradually became drum and bass because like by the time I was 17, 18 that's all anyone cared about in England pretty much of course much. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. it you had to right yeah exactly yeah, yeah. And, you know and I had my techniques and everything yeah. and you know learned how to mix jungle and drum and bass and I was obsessed with it and for years and years and then out of the back of that um, ended up uh, joining a punk band and trying to infuse some of that into the you know, into the punk band, which is why if you listen back to some of the early Sonic Boom 6 stuff, there's like Amen Breaks all over and everything because, you know, I was coming from like a drum and bass sort of perspective. Yeah, it makes but, sense to put it in there, right? Just yeah. Like, oh, well, why yeah. not throw one of those in there? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, um, yeah, you started with the guitar and then you went into, uh, then you went into playing uh, as a DJ. Would you say that any of your um, knowledge that you gleaned as a, as a rock musician has <laughs> informed your, your DJing? Oh, I think so. Absolutely. I mean, every, everything, really. I mean, sure. I came into it. That was my background for, you know, for, you know, for many, many years, playing in bands, touring in bands. And you can't, you can't just delete that from, from, from you know, it's just like, yeah. it, it's, just, it's, it's all over it. Yeah. Even if I, did, if I wanted to dial it out, I probably couldn't, you know, so that <laughs> approach. You know, that. Yeah, that's cool. So um, like, let's talk a little bit about some of the bands you were in before you, before you kind of switched over to the electronic music side. Was Oct- Octogato your kind of first... How many projects have you had before that? Oh, uh, a dozen. <laughs> right, okay. Tell <laughs> yeah. us a little bit about that. That was the one that brought us, uh, that, 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 that uh, you know, allowed us to meet. But, I mean, I, I yeah. played in, you know, like heavy bands, you know, like in that in-between time, you know, like, you know, like I played in like new metal bands and played, okay. you know, punk emo, emo core bands. Cool. Did you, did you do any hardcore. touring with those bands? What's that? Did you, did you ever get out of town with those oh, bands? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, we did some little oh, touring. Nothing, nothing really, you know, not really intense, you know, months of touring, but we always, we always hit the road and did U.S. stuff. Okay, you know, with sick. those bands, you know, go yeah. up the East Coast, that kind of stuff. Yeah, nice. Yeah. And then with Octogato, you made it all the way to Japan, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, we played there a few times. Yeah. yeah. Oh. That was a fun, cause that, that whole band is like a really fun concept. We were talking a little bit about it before, but could you sort of like, sort of, you know what we were talking about with it just being a concept? Yeah. Like, could you tell us a little bit about that? Sure, yeah. I mean, it, th- th- that band was, it was very much about, you know, it's like, hey, let's just try this kind of fun thing. You know, we said, hey, maybe let's do some garage rock, something like that. And it just, we got everybody in the room and we're like, well, we got three guitar players here. I'm like, well, uh, I guess I can try and sing. And, you know, the, the style it ended up being, which was that kind of rockabilly inspired B-52s-ish cramps type vocal is just sort of what came out just naturally right? almost immediately. You know, yeah. I, I'm not sure where it came from. I'm like, well, that seems like it works and then we just stuck with that. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So where did the image come from? Like the kind, the kind of like sea captain kind of, you know, lays and stuff. Was it just like, how could we make the most of being from Florida? <laughs> yeah, for me, I mean, I, you know, I always, I always liked wearing Hawaiian shirts. I, was, right. uh, I, was, uh, I lived in Hawaii as a kid. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. I had so no I idea. To, I try to kind of infuse that in the music as well, too, that tropical flavor. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it just, I don't know, it just, uh, it just seemed, it sort of felt right. It seemed like, well, I guess I'm, if, I'm, if I'm making this surfy music, somebody's got to be the captain here, right? Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> somebody's yeah, got yeah. to drive the boat. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I asked you to bring your hat. This yes. Is, this is the, the Octogato hat. That's right? it. That's the official one. This one uh, went around the States, went around the world. Real gross too. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's 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 seen some continents and it's uh, seen quite a few shows. So did you guys go to yeah. Europe? 
spot. No, we didn't get to go to Europe, unfortunately. No, um, I wanted to. I wanted to. What kind of touring did you do with Octogata? Uh, mostly U.S. Yeah. and then uh, and then Japan as well. So, oh, gotcha. Yeah. How many times did you go to Japan? Three times. Oh, Three that's times, awesome. Yeah. First yeah. time was like a solo thing. Then uh, I, I kind of you know put those feelers out there, and then I brought the band out for two after that. Actually, okay. no, I'm sorry. Take it back. The the second time we went out there, we we brought we brought the band, and then the third time we were out there. Uh, our good buddy uh, Marvin played bass. You know Marvin? Oh, yeah, Marvin, yeah. Marvin, Marvin Ray? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Mr. Yeah, Mustache? Cool. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Marvin, Marvin. What's up, Marvin? He's not out there. Is he out there? <laughs> I hope he's out there. He might be. He should be. Uh, yeah, he was yeah, actually yeah. a fan of the band, and then he ended up playing for the band. Oh, cool. Yeah. And our buddy Tomo from a, a Japanese uh, punkabilly band called the Cattlefish Fritter, he played on the last tour for us out there. Oh, neat. So Marvin flew in, and we rehearsed. For an hour, and we went and played shows like like that evening. That's awesome, it's crazy. So we talked a little bit. I've talked with a few different people about Japan because because um, I've been there too, and so I like to talk about it. But I'm curious, you know, um, about like how did you manage to get to go out there? Like, what was the what was did how did you organize that? Who did you speak to? Is it through a label or? That was no, that wasn't. It was actually. Uh, it was. I had a, a couple very helpful friends out there. Um, right. How'd you make those? Just, just randomly, just happened to know these. these oh, no, I, I lived in Japan for a little while. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I lived out there for a couple of years. Right. So, uh, but this, this, the band came way after that. But I, I sort of called on some of those people. So one of my, so I taught English when I was out there. That was that's kind of the way in. You know, if you're a foreigner and you're not, uh, if you sure. don't speak Japanese, you go teach English in Japan, right? Thing. Yeah. 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 So as long as it's your native language, so you get in there. And uh, one of my students, I was like, ah, this guy's a little different. You know, all the students were, were uh, you know, kind of clean-cut businessmen. And I see this guy with like, a, with, like, a cap on. He's got long hair. I'm like, hmm, this guy's different. This guy's different. Something going on there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's uh, my buddy Hiroshi. Cool. And um, he uh, introduced me to a few other people out there, uh, club owners. And, uh, <coughs> yeah. That's, that's neat. That was the okay, yeah, I'm curious because, I mean, the way we did it is um, – our manager at the time, uh, he had a, another band on his roster that was involved with a label um, over there, and he managed to get our record license on the same label. And then oh, we, we just went over, and it was just through this label. Yeah. And it was crazy. We had, we, had, we had a good time with it. But I'm, you know, I'm always curious how people get these opportunities. And I think people, anyone listening to this, you know, that's the kind of thing that they want to know. You know, is how did you make it happen? Yeah. You know what I mean? I think as long as you have one contact. Yeah. In any country, somebody that's like a venue owner, a club owner, they know somebody, and that other person knows somebody. So you just start sending emails. The challenge with Japan is if you're trying to book it yourself, is that that language barrier is pretty high. Yeah, I speak a little Japanese, <laughs> but uh, not not enough to book a tour. So you Google Translate, you know all of those things. Yeah, yeah. it's rough. I, yeah. That was the one thing I realized when I was there is that unlike. You know, because I've done a lot of traveling in Europe and Eastern Europe and stuff, but there's always like slightly. You can always tell a little bit what's going on, or or kind of understand the signs a bit. In Japan, no, just yeah. no no idea what's no. going on at all. <laughs> yeah. It's getting easier though, because like with Google Translate now, you put your, you can put your phone up to uh, a sign. Yeah. And if it's not like really crazy ornate uh, lettering, it'll it'll. Uh, It'll like sort of translate it for you. Oh, on the that's screen. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's but it's, badass. You know, it's not. It, you know, it translates maybe phonetically or something. It's not quite right. Yeah. They have three different alphabets, don't they? Yeah, they hit, hiragana, yeah. katakana, kanji. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's that's it. The, and romaji, actually four. Oh, really? Well, romaji is Roman characters, which is okay. Uh, like well, you know, romaji makes sense. Ro- ro- Roman characters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, I suppose this is kind of like a two-part question because. Um, I want to ask you about it when it, where it relates to your 
writing with bands, but also when it comes to writing electronic music. And I imagine that the two answers would be a little bit different. Have you got a writing process? Um, well, when it comes to like rock and roll, um, usually I would use like a loop pedal or something like that. You know, I'll have an idea, just a riff kind of knocking around in my head and just get it down with a really basic drum Do with beat. a looper. Yeah, yeah, it's a looper and then I'll put a lead or a melody over that, something like that. Right. Uh, as what far about as house, li- lyric? What about lyrically? Lyrics. Well, I mean, uh, Octogato was a whole different thing. That was just sort of just be as ridiculous as possible, as long yeah. as it's about the beach and about cats. You know, like, yeah, that's yeah, topical. You know, yeah. That was kind of the theme of the whole band was that kind of stuff. Hawaii, you know, Hawaiian stuff. Oh, by the way, I forgot. I brought you guys a little uh, a little uh, Hawaiian peace offering. Oh, that's cool. You. Put that <laughs> oh, on. Thank you. I can't reach him, so I'm gonna have you. Uh, do we have to do? Is there some kind of thank you that we need to? No, do no, just, you can, just, you can do. You know, know, we're not in Hawaii. Then. You know, <laughs> that's I just wanted to bring a little Hawaiian uh, hospitality with me Hell here today. Yeah, dude. Yeah, this is what I'm talking about. This yeah. is what I was hoping. Here we go. Yeah. We got some Mike Lock flavor going on. There we go. That's it, right? There you go. <laughs> I was just talking with somebody, but today about uh, she's getting married in Hawaii, a friend of mine, in May of next year. So we're we're talking about going out to her wedding and stuff. Oh, you should do it. It'll be my first time in Hawaii. So yeah. Oh, really? When's that? Meh. Oh wow, cool. Ben, Ben's all freaking out now. When is that? We have gig. know, yeah, we have really. gigs. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Why are you booking stuff? Yeah, going to Hawaii, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. You right. think you're you going think to Hawaii. you're going to Hawaii? <laughs> Make it work. <laughs> <laughs> You'll love it out there. I, I, so I lived in Kailua for I think six years yeah. when I was younger. And it's beautiful. I mean, it's yeah, that's on the island of Oahu, which is you know where, uh, like Waikiki Beach and a lot of popular places right okay. out there. Yeah, cool. Yeah. I've got no idea about the place. I, I've never. I I would love to go. Yeah, yeah, it's going to happen at some point for sure. Quite cool vibe. Come with us. We'll do a gig there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, yeah, business expense. Write it off. Yeah, yeah. Come on. No, <laughs> now we're talking. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, when it comes to the uh, electronic stuff, um, it, what, what's your process with that? For that one, you know, I, it's it's sometimes it's if I'll hear a, I'll hear a certain sound or something like that, it'll just be knocking around in my head. If I then I'll try and find it on like a sample site or I'll find something on YouTube, some weird quirky sample, and I'll build it around that. Yeah. Sometimes it's um, I'll, I'll make a groove, just like an eight bar loop or something like that, and I'll just have that going and just kind of slowly add things in. Sometimes I'll have a melody in my head and I'll, I'll put the melody in or I'll, I'll you know play it as a bass part or something on the keyboard. Yeah. Start with the bass and then add everything in around there. Really, there's no. It, it just depends on on the on the the uh, you know how I'm feeling at the moment. Sure. Um, what I've been doing uh, lately is uh, I saw uh, like an interview with Duke Dumont, the producer. Are you familiar with him? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Duke Dumont was talking about his uh, I think a three by thirty method. He makes three little ideas every day, like four bar loop, eighteen bar, sixteen short. Like 15 minutes okay. on each one. Yeah. Don't overthink it. Just just get it down. Just get it done. Yeah. Put it in a folder. Forget about it. And go back to it 30 days later. Listen with fresh ears. Oh, I've been that's trying that this smart. month. Yeah. That's really smart because the one thing that I get bogged down with when I'm making electronic music is I'll have an idea and I'll just start working it to death till mm-hmm. I hate it. Get stuck in the loop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's a common problem, especially with electronic music because there's so much repetition yeah. inherently in it. You get lost in that and then you, just, you lose all <laughs> objectivity. Yeah, and you can't right? figure out what's good repetition and what's bad. You, right. Yeah, exactly. So, you lose objectivity. That's exactly yeah. right. So, one, But one of the things that I... The best advice that, you know, I've been given about making electronic music is, um, you know, take away everything other than what is absolutely necessary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'll like build up a whole bunch of stuff and then I just start chiseling away at it, like removing anything that doesn't, you know, yeah. that doesn't matter until like it's right down to the, which also kind of, um, it speaks to the fact that the things that you do have, 
you want to make sure that they're really good quality. Yes. You know what I mean? Because yes. like, it's easy to like layer up like 50 things that aren't particularly good sounds, you know? And then you're just lost in this big mess. You know? yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so sometimes you got to start deleting. Once, you, once you've added too much, like, all right, what is not serving this this vibe, what's not serving this song, what's not serving this, this groove or whatever? Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah, my brother um, makes... Um, techno and, and house and uh, you know like he, that's his whole thing you know is just keep it simple you know yep. yeah as much as you can and actually he's learned that over time because his, his earlier tunes he because both he and I grew up um, sort of in the south of England and at the time like psychedelic trance was a really big deal right, right before the whole drum and bass thing got it was all like side all trance yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and um and like you know, that's that's quite complicated, and and especially at that time, melodic has gotten a lot more like techno now. But back in the day, it was yeah. it was like more melodic and stuff. And so, it took years for him to weed the trance out of his tunes. You know, it's like just right. all of those kind of like like whittling noise and and and, that and the, the whooshes and kind of like and so, like the stuttering and stuff like that. You know, he'd always put that in his tunes. And now he, you know, he's he's finally kind of got to this point where he stopped doing that, and the, the music is. Uh, much better for it. Oh, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you have to know what to get rid of for it to, you know, to, to evolve. Yeah, totally. Absolutely, yeah. So do you, um, do you still practice the guitar at home? Well, you know, I brought that one guitar in, you know, to show you, so, you know, but it's, I, I have to be honest, it's been sitting on my wall. That one's, I, I probably haven't touched it in six months. Right. And I'm ashamed to say that. Like, do you, you practice know, your DJing? Not as much as I should, because I spend so much time doing it. Oh yeah, no, you know, I mean most playing, people say that honestly. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's that's the common that's the common answer here is everybody's doing it so they you know doing their their craft so they don't have yeah. time to actually practice it. Exactly. I mean, but I should. You know, there's always something we can. You know, whether it's guitar playing or whether it's DJing, there's always something new you can learn. You know, so yeah, I should be doing both. But uh, <laughs> when you're working, you know, when you're doing you know four or five gigs a week. Is that where you're at with it, four or five? I, well, yeah, last year I was. I've kind of okay. tried to pump the brakes a little bit. It was like a, it was a bit much, you know. Okay. I was trying to make up for 2020, you know, like the lack of gigs. So I yeah. felt like I needed to do everything I possibly could. Yeah, I feel like a lot of us have done the same thing is yeah. just kind of come back strong. I Yeah, I definitely panicked and then w- and started kind of preemptively booking a million things for when stuff opened. Mm-hmm. And then when stuff opened, I was just insanely busy. Yes. And I, I was like, oh, no, what have I done a bit, yes. little bit, you know? I experienced yeah. the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, uh, I guess I can do this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This is humanly possible, yeah, <laughs> yes. just. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so something which I'm curious about, because um, it's, it's, as someone who's sort of relatively recently, sort of a couple of years ago, stopped drinking, and it was a big change in my life. Um, and so it's something I think about quite a lot is how do you navigate the world of being a DJ very late nights and the booze and the drugs? Like, do, how do you how do you manage to sort of uh, do you have any sort of tools in your toolbox or like kind of a techniques to sort of make sure that that doesn't become an issue yeah i mean you know i've never had an issue being like oh no i'm good on that drink i'm good on that but i imagine though if you know for some people it's it's hard to like say say no to that you know because it's just there and it's free sure and it's being pushed on you yeah so it takes a willpower and i think you know djs even more than rock musicians you know that can fall prey to it i mean i know a lot of my friends from when i was growing up you know who were djs and things have very healthy drug problems unhealthy drug problems i should say (laughs) <laughs> I think the best thing to do is just don't do drugs at the gig. You know, yeah. you're there to work. You know, if you're, you know, if you're, if you're DJing, you're there to work. Same if you're in a band, no, you're there I, to work. I couldn't agree more. They hired and, you, you know. I, yeah, sure. totally. And and yeah. so you, 
yeah, that's awesome. You managed to just keep that line like yeah. that. Yeah. That, that being said, I mean, you know, beer or two is okay if you can. If yeah. you can, you know, if you're the, if yeah, yeah, if you're capable of yeah. doing that. Yeah. 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 I, I think the in between advice is don't drink or do anything until at least halfway through the event. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the, that's the in between. That yeah. way, you know, you're going to get through your set. There's not going to be any issue. Yeah. You have to imbibe, you know. But for me, I just I barely drink these days. I don't do drugs. Yeah. So it's easy to say no. That being said, you know, like like you know, we had uh, Miami Music Week last week, Ultra, all that stuff. Yeah. You know, I was like, ah, I'm not going to drink. You know, I'm good. I'm just, I'll just drink water. You know, I'm going to hang right. out, do some networking, and everybody's in town. Yeah. And uh, you know, as soon as you get there, it's like, drink. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Drink. Yeah. I'm like, ah, all right, all right. And then and you walk over to these guys. Hey, shot, shot. We got a bottle. Shot. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. And then, <laughs> then it's another one. Then you then your then your inhibitions are down, right? Yeah. So I think the best thing is you just if you can't control yourself, just I'm good. Yeah, you know? yeah, no, totally, Tart. I agree. So, in, I wanted to talk about Miami and Ultra, and what the uh, what's it like as a DJ in terms of getting recognized and uh, and being competitive in terms of like the, the amount of DJs that there are, and how uh, do you find do you find it di- difficult to stand out in the crowd with all of that like yeah like how, what's it like getting getting gigs around that time miami music is difficult i mean yeah i mean because it's just there's so much going on yeah you know um you know even okay so like before before the pandemic 2019 played that miami music week and i played it i played an event with some some you know dj producers that would normally probably have a thousand people right in front of them plus yeah. they play festivals for 15 20 000 people we played sure. at a reasonable club and there's like less than 150 people there yeah, because well, yeah. everyone's in town. Yeah. So honestly, it's better to just go out there and network. For sure. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's you know it's fun to play, of course, but sometimes networking is the way to go in those big crazy events. Yeah, know? I always remember that side of things being really awkward for me, like the whole kind of like, are you on the guest list and all that yeah. stuff? The, the, yeah, that side of dance music just does my head in. Yeah. You know, it's like, it yeah, feels, it just feels bad. Well, I'm just not very good at it. Like the, the uh-huh. you know, that kind of just aggressively socializing. You know? oh, <laughs> Get, aggressively. Nice <laughs> yeah. to meet you. Get it, getting into, you know, and getting in everywhere yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I always found that tough. Um, but is it something that comes naturally to you? Being, you know, you know I... Uh, you know, there's some people that were there. I'm not going to mention any names, but like that I look up to, and I, I froze up. You know, I was like, right. I'm, I'm like, I don't want to bother this guy right now. He's talking right. to these cute girls, or he's talking to this guy. Oh my god, that's that guy. You know. Yeah. But then when it's you know, but then sometimes some some people I don't have that barrier. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm a pretty social, you know, easy talking kind of guy most of the time. But sometimes you know, you have these anybody if you if you know it's like your idols or, or people you really you you have you have up there on that on that pedestal. It's that's that's harder. Yeah, Just be for like sure. talk to this person like it's you know another human being and we're all human beings you know no matter what we do you know yeah no it is and yeah i've talked about it before and here and it's you know and everyone kind of knows it anyway but it's that that if there's someone that is very famous you do kind of know them so it is awkward because you do know a lot about their life and and their personality and they don't know anything about you you know imbalance though (laughs) maybe it's the imbalance that's odd you know it feels weird Exactly. They don't know anything about me. I know everything about them. Yeah, exactly. I see this person on the internet every time I, you know, flick on my feed. They don't know who I am. You know, so that's that's a weird barrier. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Usually it's fine. I mean, just go around, talk to people, talk about yourself. Be your, be yourself. You know. Yeah. Cool. You got to be yourself wherever you are. And if they don't like you, then. Okay. No, you're exactly right, and it's something I feel like I've been getting better at now. I've kind of removed this sort of like alcohol crutch that I had, you know. Like yeah. I've actually learned how to just be a social human in the world. So socializing post alcohol. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Send me a yeah. minute to figure it out. But I think I'm getting yeah. there now. Yeah, yeah. It's so. kind of a kind of an odd side question, I guess. Um, but 
like, do you find, um, and, and I know it's different, uh, you know, it's different in the art world, it's different in the music world, it's different, you know, it's different in the different genres, you know, our art, you know, live bands versus EDM versus, oh, sure, you, know, yeah. you know, everything's, everything's a little bit different, but do you find that trying to get, like you were talking about some of these guys playing to these, you know, 15, 20,000 yeah. people crowds, you know, these huge arenas and things like that, do you find that these guys, um, that it's quality of music that gets them there as opposed to who they know mm. or or is it kind of like because uh, let's be real there's there's people on the radio these days you know and, and you know the, the pop singers and whatever that yeah. that are on there that somebody's writing the song for them and they had the look and somebody went yeah okay you sound good enough you know that kind of thing right so i'm just curious and the only reason i'm asking this question is because I, I i was binge watching some garbage on netflix not long ago, probably a couple months ago, and I came across a, some TV show that was all about like Shaq, and oh, Shaq's and Shaq, a DJ now. Shaq decided that he was a DJ. <laughs> he was like, D, I forget what he was called, Diesel. Uh, Diesel. Yeah, DJ, DJ Diesel, yeah. and he decided he was a DJ. And like in this one episode, he went from like his first his first DJ gig was down in like Ibiza or something, and it was like a hundred thousand people. And I'm like. Why, why is that his first gig? Just because he's Shaq, obviously. Right. But I mean, but yeah. that, it just, I don't know. I guess that bothered it, me a little bit. I guess it would be the same if he was in a band. I'd go and yeah. watch Shaq playing the guitar. Yeah, I, yeah. I guess. But <laughs> I, I guess, but I just, I guess I want to know what, how that translates to, you know, to your world. I mean, mm. you know, are, right. you know you're, it, not, you're not Shaq. So are you, no. I mean, is it, so is there, is there this huge disparity of. You know, I think, I think it's a mix. Yeah, I think it's a real mix. You know, okay. I mean, you of course you have people that are influencers mm-hmm. that just get up there and immediately play for a ton of people. You know, yeah. people were giving like Paris Hilton a hard time about DJing a while back, and like the cables weren't plugged in or something like that. It's oh like, god! Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, god. Wow. Uh, but no, I mean that's 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 obviously a, that's a, an extreme situation where yeah. somebody's just a celebrity and they just said, "Hey, go on stage and just twist knobs and make it look like you're uh, DJing." And they didn't even get the primer of actually teaching her how to like do the basics. Yeah, th- you know. it's actually kind of goes right into a question i wanted to ask you which is um in terms of um the sort of camaraderie amongst djs and and like and the support out there amongst djs what's that like do you find do you find it's good you know there's so there's there's definitely a couple distinct you know types of djs out there right you you have you have you know like like wedding event corporate djs you have your uh local bar djs yeah you have your you know your big club and festival DJs and there's some there's some bleed between all of those of course you know some people that do this do this as well too I do a little bit of everything you know? yeah um, I like paying the bills sure <laughs> I like being artistic I like doing the creative stuff but I also like doing that so I do a mix I get it me too but you know with the yeah, band. yeah. exactly um, so yeah I mean I guess it's just when it comes to when it, when it comes to that I'm sorry what was the question again the initial question I'm curious I'm, I'm about going what, off track there what, what is um, yeah. the what it's like in terms of um, people supporting each other, supporting and camaraderie. Each other, yes, yeah, camaraderie, yes. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah so, uh, you know, camaraderie in, in the, like the bar scene. Yeah. Like, no, because everyone's against each other. Everybody wants okay. that gig. I want that gig. I want that Friday night. I want that Saturday night. You know, yeah. weddings, corporate. It's like one company against another company. Uh, whereas, like you know, so I make house music and house music scene and a lot of the electronic music scenes is totally different because those are creative people yeah. doing that. And that's where I thrive as well, too. And that's what I saw when I first got into it. You know, I, you know, I, being, playing in bands for 15-plus years, you know, I, just, I had that image of, of, of DJs as well, too. It's like this whole different thing. It's like snooty or, you know, it's just button-pushing or whatever. I don't know what I thought. I, I can't even, you know. But, you know. So I just didn't know. I just didn't know. I just yeah, didn't yeah. know. But I, almost, almost immediately I realized that these people making all this original house music, those DJs at those events 
are are they're they're DJs, but they're also producing the music. These are creative people. Sure. So they want to they want to play their new music. They want to play their friends' music. That's what that's one cool thing about DJing is I can play my friend's song. You know, he just released yeah. a new song. Drop it in. You know, make the club dance. That's great, right? Yeah. It's a great way to support your friends, and it's a great way to you know to nurture the community. You know, and and yeah. and, and you know you know, and that's that's sort of what happens on the bigger side of the DJs as well too. Is that well now. You know, if you if you're if you're uh, it's like kind of working your way up there, if you're working your way up, uh, you know, maybe maybe like Tiesto plays my song or something like that. Some big DJ. All yeah. of a sudden now my name now people want to know whose song that is. And it's me. And then, then maybe, you know, then, I, then I'm, you know, now I'm on that. I'm being played on that stage. Yeah. You know? So it kind of improves the uh, the uh, the networking there. Sure. And, you know, something like so. That's kind of, what you know, have you ever put on? I know that when we were aspiring DJs in, in our early 20s. Um, and I was really on the periphery of that, yeah. but I had a couple of friends who, you know, really done well with it. We were all putting on our own nights. So do you, do you ever put nights on? Have you ever done that? That's actually how I got into to DJing in the first place. So, okay. oh, so I had a band called My Electric Heart, and I played guitar for My Electric Heart. Yeah. Um, and then at some point, we wanted to go on tour, and our drummer couldn't do it. Right. So um, we're like, well, how can we do this? Well, we were a three-piece band, you know, guitar, drums singer and we did everything else was on tracks yeah um and that's that it's kind of like an electro pop kind of yeah like electro indie. pop kind of thing yeah, yeah pop yeah. band yeah exactly um yeah, yeah. it's good and stuff i listened to some of it earlier thank cool. you i appreciate that yeah. um you know so we we're trying to figure out how we can do this tour with just the two of us so i'm like well maybe i'll buy a dj setup i'll do like a live dj thing and play guitar at the same time and that's that's how that developed so right. fast forward from that i got back from this tour i had this dj gear i'm like well what can i do I'm like well I want to support local music. I'm not my band's just like not playing every weekend. So how can I do more? how can I do something to support the community? So I started a night called Bump, and we did that. Uh, I think starting 20 what 16 17. We did it for a few years. Where was it? So excuse me. We did a few notes. different places. We did it at O'Malley's in Margate. All right. We did it up at uh, Vintage Tap when Vintage Tap was still in uh, Delray. 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 Yeah, yeah. We did it at uh, Killy Riddle in South Beach, right. and we did it um, at Creepy Tiki. Okay. Oh, yeah. cool. So I went around. So I was DJing, and then yeah. I booked bands, and I booked live artists. Right. So neat. I put on that event, you know. But that was an electronic event. But that's what got me into it was yeah. supporting the bands. And I'm like, well, I, you know, I want to be the DJ too. So. Yeah. Cool. And just found yourself m- making house music. That's super cool. Yeah. And then I ended up there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, I'm thinking of adding this question to asking everyone it because I just think I might get some funny answers for it. But sure. um. What's the weirdest thing that's ever happened to you at a gig? Oh, <laughs> you think of it. Man. Maybe I should have primed you with man, this. Man, yeah, I got to pray out. That's that's one I got to think about. <laughs> yeah. oh, weirdest thing, man. There's so many weird things that happen. I mean, you know, I know, where you're playing. Yeah. I, I, I'll give you some examples yeah, of stuff yeah, that's, that's good, happened yeah, to I'll me. Get, 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 get. Um, a, about a year ago, a seagull landed on my head. <laughs> While playing? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Stuff like that. There's a million weird things have happened to me. I feel, I feel like I've played so many gigs that anything that could happen to you at a gig at this point has happened to me at a gig. So I don't know. Okay, so apparently... I have to think about it. I, apparently I, I, I have of... to ask that question uh, yeah. a day advance, before. In advance. Yeah. I, don't want to, I, I can think of a couple of things, but they're mean. I don't want to call anybody out, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so let me think about it. So, yeah, yeah. and something that we um, kind of touched on but we didn't really get into is... Um, I know that uh, we were sort of talking about this earlier in the week about people's sort of opinions of DJs of not being musicians yeah. and um, and that really not being the truth whatsoever. Mm. And I wonder, could you speak to that just yeah, on that sure. subject? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, from from the outside, 
you know, it sort of looks like, oh, this guy's just up here just selecting songs, just, just slamming them in and, 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 you know, and just playing music for everybody, right? But, I mean, it, really, I mean, the art of DJing goes so much deeper than that. It's not just the technique. It's just it's the whole the whole process of it yeah. is just as challenging as playing in a band, if not more challenging. For sure. Because, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, and so it's like, it's sort of like uh, I always you can liken it to, you ever play poker? Yeah. Right? You know, you can learn in like five or ten minutes, right? You can play the game and you might win. You might yeah. win a lot. Yeah. But if you want to win consistently, that's where that little extra bit of skill and and focus and effort goes yeah. into play. And experience. Experience, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know. um, so I think that's the difference is that, yeah, anybody can DJ. You know, you can get up and going and do it, you know, within, you know, five or ten minutes, get the basics. But choosing the right songs at the right moments, mixing them in and out at the right moments is what gets the room moving. Yeah, you know, knowing how to read the room as well too, and look yeah. at those people and say, "Well, how can I get these people to dance right uh, now?" Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been out plenty of times with my wife where we're, yeah. we're, you know, having a good time dancing, and then all of a sudden a song comes on, and the entire dance floor just clears out, and I'm yeah. like, "What was this right? guy thinking?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and that's it. It's easily you know, done too. You know, yeah. you can yeah. mess it up yeah. like that. I mean, I've done it. I, I was never a very, very good DJ. I know I tried, but yeah. it just wasn't for me. But I had some friends who just always nail it, and it's just it's a different kind of awareness yes. of musical awareness a different yeah. kind of musical understanding yeah. you know and because it, it, you you're playing off um you're playing off people's sort of nostalgia people's recognition you right. know yeah. that's really important and then also um just what whatever the vibe is in the room supporting that vibe you know not just mm-hmm. completely yeah. changing it you yeah know? and if you're playing in between other djs also what did this guy play what you know what time of day is it even like you know if you're playing a sunset set you wouldn't necessarily play what you'd play as the opening set as well too a lot of yeah. a lot of new djs will come in and just go full-on festival like you know banger crazy yeah you know it's always EDM, awkward, and you can't yeah. do that you gotta like ease it you know ease it you know treat it like a date you know just let's let's, let's, you know, <laughs> let's go uh maybe get a coffee first then we'll talk about grabbing a bite to eat you know yeah so, there you, you know. go <laughs> <laughs> and i think the other thing that um we were talking about before we started recording was um this sort of huge mixture and disparity between the amount of stuff people are doing on stage, you know, between, um, like you were saying, coming in between two DJs and um, plugging in a USB and just using the CDJs to like full on uh, like live sets with samplers and keyboards and right. laptops set up, you know, yeah. there's a, there's a huge range of what people could be doing up there. And I think that, um, you know, that, if if anyone's listening to this who isn't really aware of the world and thinks that it's just you know pressing go, it's it's right. it, it's not that. No, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, most most of the people that are DJs, you know, that that are that are out there, they're making music as well too. They're not just yeah. And you know, making electronic music is just as just as challenging as making rock and roll or any kind of music. It requires a different set of skills. It does. It actually yeah. requires you to be something of a producer slash mastering engineer. And actually, yeah. that was something that I was. Um, that I was going to be um, that I wanted to ask you about is in terms of like mastering your tracks to make them sound the best like through the PA is is that something that you do yourself or have you sent stuff up to be mastered in the beginning I was like ah I can self master all this stuff sure you know this Uh, is why I wanted to ask you because I'm okay at mastering but like in that situation if you wanted to bang every time I just wondered if you you know you were sending it out you know, just like if you over-listen to anything, your ears can get fatigued. So if you've yeah. listened to that track for 30, 40-plus hours over and over and over again, you get kind of numb to it. You now, you can, of course, you can set it down and listen to it in a week, and then you'll, you'll be, it'll be fresh again. Yeah. But I, I use I, – so I do all my own – usually do all my own mixing. 
But in the beginning, I did the, the mastering. I'm like, that's ah, good enough. But then I started playing those songs next to other really, really well-produced and mastered tracks. I'm like, I got to I gotta bring in some help on this. You right, know? Yeah. My ears just aren't good enough. My yeah. room isn't good enough. You know, I have yeah. a little home studio, but it's not, you know. Oh, I do know, I sure. know exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, fine for creating, but as far as that extra that mm-hmm. extra 5% that it makes the song really juicy and just really, really knock, yeah. I can't dial that in. I'm, you know. My hearing's no. just okay too. That's when I send. That's when I send it to my brother because he's yeah. a mastering engineer. Oh, there you go. He can do that part. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Between the two of us, we, we right, can get yeah. it done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I was wondering, um, also, uh, with the creative process, were you recording? Were you recording your bands prior to this? Like, were you no, not really. I mean, I had a certainly had a hand in the creative process, but um, most of like uh, most of the bands, I usually went to a studio. I, I kind of felt like I didn't want to be on that side of it for, I don't know why I resisted for so long I wish I right. hadn't resisted I wish I had learned right yeah, you know? Go, yeah um, many years of, now I guess yeah, yeah. yeah so hindsight right hindsight's twenty twenty. <laughs> I wish I had learned early on but yeah have you ever been on the the side of things that the kind of teaching or sort of community outreach side of the music at all you ever done anything like that? Teaching? Yeah, I haven't taught music. You know, people always ask me that. And, uh, you right. know, the, you know, I mentioned I taught, I taught English in Japan and all that yeah, stuff as well. Yeah. Too. Oh, will you teach music? No, no. Yeah. Uh, as far as community outreach, I mean, you know, I'll do charity events from time to time, stuff yeah, like that right, as well yeah, too. Right um, yeah, yeah. I always, of course, I always want to support my fellow musicians as well to get them gigs, and that's that's a lot of you know the camaraderie that you have in the uh, house music world is the same as the band world. You know, helping. Helping your friends get those gigs is super important. You know, we all yeah, have to support sure. each other. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sometimes all you need is that introduction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no doubt about it. Well, you've brought um, a whole ton of your original tunes, and you're going to do a, a mix for us, I think, isn't That's it? That's right, yeah. yeah. All right, let's do it. Okay.
561 Music is brought to you by Handlebars Bar and Grill. It's a biker bar in Tequesta, and if you don't know where Tequesta is, it's just a little town right north of Jupiter, um, down here in sunny South Florida. And if you head up US 1 out of, out of Jupiter, you'll see it on your right. It's a little yellow building, and there's almost always a ton of bikes outside it. It's a biker bar. It's a lot of fun in there. We have um, Bernsey doing the food. He's a real character. You've got to go in there, if not just to meet Bernsey. And um, it's got great beers on tap. And um, we do a bike night every second Thursday of the month. And that's from six to nine. And then on the fourth Sunday of every month, it, it was this Sunday that just passed. We had a really good time. We do an open jam slash open mic. And that's just, you know, anyone who wants to come, come you can come and jam with me. Um, yeah, I, the reason I, I'm involved in the place is my father-in-law, Peter, he reopened the place. Um, it was called Judy's before, and it's it kind of part of the furniture up 
up in uh, Jupiter's Quester. It's been there for years and years. And uh, it was just falling a little bit into disrepair. The guy who was running it, Victor, um, had been running it for a really long time. And he, I guess he was kind of done with it, you know, wanted to retire. So uh, Peter took it over and we cleaned it up and we sorted the place out and gave it a fresh lick of paint and, uh, you know, just basically renovated it. And uh, it's up and running and it's a, it's a real good time over there. You should come check it out. And uh, yeah, that, that's Handlebars. Please uh, come and visit us. We're, uh, we're open every day of the week and um, it's a good time. Our uh, second sponsor is Backsaver LLC, and Backsaver LLC is a uh, chiropractic uh, care and therapy center here in West Palm Beach. Dr. Christopher White uh, can take care of you uh, if you come in there, you have any kind of uh, spinal uh, issues or back back problems. Um, primarily, they do um, slip and falls and car accidents and personal injury type cases. Um, you know, they'll, they'll hook you up, they'll get you set up on a, on a regiment, um, you know. Uh, taking care of you using all the different uh, techniques and uh, latest technologies and latest machines and things, and they'll get you all fixed up. They are a uh, sponsor of the podcast, and they are a sponsor of the uh, 561 Music Festival for this Saturday. So we're very appreciative. So definitely give them a shout. Give them a call. BacksaverLLC.com, and Backsaver LLC is uh, the name of the company. Thanks, Backsaver. Thanks Absolutely. for sponsoring our festival. We really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah and... Uh, the final sponsor we have is Oasis Root um, Carver Bar. Now, this place is in Jupiter on Indian Town Road in Seagrave Square. It's a really, really cool spot. Um, it's So there's quite a lot of different types of Carver Bar. And in Florida, the whole scene of it is exploding. There's all these different sort of types of them. You get ones that are like nightclubs and stuff. This one is kind of like a cafe it's real chill, just has um, w- one type of carver, really good high-quality um, carver that he gets um, shipped in from the West Coast. And it, it's really it, – it's like the highest quality you can find. And he just has one so he can keep the quality consistent. And uh, he gets ground himself. And, uh, also they, you know, they also have the Kratom there. Um, but, he, again, it, you know, he does it very simply as one type. And uh, it's good fun. You know, I think w- what I like about it is that it, it's – it's not there's not like really loud music playing and it and it's kind of bright and breezy in there it's not kind of dark and you know with sort of like black lights on and stuff like that it's, um yeah it's super chill so if you're looking for somewhere that's like a bar but no one is drunk should uh, come and check out oasis route all right yeah thanks so much oasis route for uh sponsoring this we uh we really appreciate your support Okay, so that that was pretty badass, Mike. I love that mix there. Oh, thank you. Yeah, can you tell us a little bit about the, some of these tunes? Yeah, so when I'm producing house music, um, I'm producing under the name uh, Shiro Tiger. Yeah. Uh, Shiro means white in Japanese. So okay. White Tiger, yeah. Cool. Uh, and all the songs on there were originals, you know, and I mixed them all together there for you. Fresh yeah, out neat. the blender. Very nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was badass. Yeah. Um, so... I think you actually managed to come up with a, 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 a most interesting thing that's happened to you at a gig. Didn't you? Oh yeah, so I had a uh, I had a uh, uh, pop punk kind of band yeah. uh, a, a ways back, and you know, on one of our tours, we, we were trying to fill in some dates, and we ended up with some strip cl- uh, strip club dates. Right. So imagine just this, like you know, they had no idea what they booked. They thought they booked like you know Motley Crue or something <laughs> right. like that. And, and we actually had a Motley Crue cover in there. Okay. So we, we threw that in there, but. It's just imagine just a, a whole club of strippers twerking naked to fast punk rock music. They just couldn't keep. It was it was the most <laughs> hilarious thing I've ever seen. 
You know, I can't imagine. You just look around, it's like, what is going on here? What are we doing? I've never heard of a strip club with live music. That's amazing. Yeah, well, maybe that was the first night. I don't know. We just, yeah. we just loaded the drums the in. And we started loud. making noise, you know? we got to get That's killbillies great. into the strip club circuit. We would just be, the, we are like the worst possible music for that because, we, because it's the same Which thing. Is, That's what I We're thought. Like, Which is why it would be hilarious, so we have to do it. Yeah, exactly. She told the girls to go like halftime, maybe go halftime instead of trying to like, you know, don't follow the banjo. Jeez. Yeah, Don't follow the snare drum or anything like that, you know? So. Yeah. Well, we brought we took taken some pictures of some of your gear. The first thing um, is the equipment you used to DJ. Now I know to you it's very sort of commonplace, but um, could you for those who aren't that familiar with it, could you explain a little bit about what's going on there? Sure, um, it's upside down. <laughs> uh, other than that, that's uh, what makes it cool. That's what makes it cool, right? Yeah, I do. I only DJ upside down. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, so that's a that's a Pioneer DDJ 1000. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's, it's a far from vintage. Uh, basically, I mean, that has uh, full-size jog wheels like you would have on like a CDJ. So it feels kind of similar to a club setup, but yeah. I can use it with my laptop basically. So for yeah, me, it's, it. it's all about consistency, whether I'm playing guitar or whether I'm DJing, I want it to be the same everywhere. So I've got yeah, a great length with my guitar rig to make sure that everything's like rock solid and sounds the same in every room. Okay. The amp that I had for Octogato is an amp I could rent anywhere in the world. Like uh... I want to make sure that I, I can duplicate this everywhere that's smart and the same thing with the, with the pioneer stuff is that pioneers make gone to great lengths to make everything very uniform yeah so i know that if i play that regularly and then i go to the club and i play on their current like flagship players cdj 3000s it's very similar if i play one of their mini controllers you know i want you know something i can just throw on a backpack i can do that as well too so yeah cool it just allows me to do what i do and, and be comfortable with it that's what's most important it's not having like tons of fancy stuff it's just feeling you know feeling comfortable yeah it was rad i noticed you um tapping at one thing was that like to trigger like a delay thing at the end of the yeah i mean there's so there's some effects in there as well too most you know uh you know i'll mess around with some echo or uh, there's one effect that i love is called spiral right and what it does is as it as it repeats it'll bend the pitch up or down so okay. if you play with the uh the rate yeah. Like you want on a delay pedal, you know how like it'll make the the pitch bend up and down. Yeah, yeah. You can do that with with DJ gear. It's like okay, kind of a creative yeah. way to segue between you know is tracks. Is that kind of what you did at the end there? Yeah, it, yeah, where yeah. to fade it out. Yeah, it works yeah. like 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 an echo pedal. If you turn it down and mess with the knobs, yeah, exactly yeah. like yeah. that. Yeah. And so in a traditional setup or in a traditional, yeah. you know, when you're tradition, you know, mixing traditionally, I guess or whatever, I imagine that those discs would work much like an old fashioned turntable, yeah. mix and scratch and stuff. But, yeah. but what were you? Because I, I noticed you, you, you were spinning the one on the left quite a bit. You know, every now and then you, yeah, do it for up. sure. What I, is that? I selecting things? Speed or? it up. And, no, it works. It works like vinyl would. It's just it's basically digi- it's it's digitally controlling. Vinyl in quotation oh, so marks. So you are like basically backing up. Yeah. yeah. So like on on the far oh, left and wow. far right there, you can see the uh, little the little slider there. So that's yeah. like the the pitch bend knob, just like you'd have on a record player. Yeah. And that controls you know how fast or how slow it's again, quotation marks rotating. So you would adjust the speed there, and then the, the the actual wheel itself. If you touch the side, you can speed up or slow down the track as it's playing. Yeah. So it works uh, like if you were spinning a record faster gotcha, or slower. Gotcha. So yeah. okay. So it does work basically. It's like exactly the same. Yeah. Basically. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm not a scratchy DJ. That's why I didn't do any scratches. No. 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 You, you I, yeah. I was yeah. Just but you could. I was just curious. Yeah. Yeah, it amazing. works like that where you touch the top and it would be you know scratch scratchy yeah. scratchy. That's pretty but wild. House music is a little weird to scratch. At least for me, it <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah, you, know? you know what, man? I, 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 you know, Ben touched on it earlier. Anybody who says that you guys aren't real musicians is just a flat out idiot. Because I'm looking <laughs> at that thing and that's like another language. Like holy crap, there's a <laughs> lot of buttons and things. On yeah. There. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that's kind of why you know, um, I don't, Mike, you were just like, oh, you know, I don't know if anyone cares about looking at this. But I think you'd be surprised at how many people just have no idea about it. You right. Know? Yeah. Look. I 
play the bass guitar. There's only four strings. Okay? <laughs> so at the end of the day, this is way cooler. <laughs> yeah, the next thing we've got, um, next picture we've got is your amazing guitar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, can you tell us a little bit about this baby? Sure. She's, she's so, uh, you know, one of the, one of the, uh, the, the bands I was into in my, my formative days was Limp Bizkit. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> particularly Wes Borland, their guitar player. <laughs> you, know? Um, you know, they certainly have a reputation for being, uh, you know, a little on the cheesy side. And they sure. are. <laughs> and I think they're comfortable with that as well, too. I think their latest iteration is pretty hilarious, yeah. actually. I'll yeah. give them that one. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, one of, one of my, one of my uh, all-time most important shows to me was I, I saw um, I saw Limp Bizkit play at, uh, I can't remember the name of the place. Uh, what is it? place that's no longer there in Fort Lauderdale. This was okay. right, right, right when they were just getting started. They were, you know, they were out of Jacksonville, those guys, right. you know. So they were... They played for maybe 400 people or something. They played with Seven Dust, and they played right. with Clutch. Right. Anyway, so I, I going to that show was like one of the first shows I ever drove myself to Yeah, as, as a young adult. And You're like 17, 18? Yeah, something? something like that. And uh, and I was just blown away. I was just, I, I mean, it was such an amazing show. And that, that's a powerhouse, like, set of Clutch, Seven Dust, and, and, and Limp Bizkit in like a four 500-cap club. I mean, that's, you know. When I was 16, 17... Yeah. I, I'm not ashamed to admit I, I was getting down to some Limp Bizkit. Yeah. You know? yeah. Absolutely I was. I embraced the cheese. <laughs> <laughs> but what I liked most about the band was, was Wes Borland. So yeah. in 2008, I think, they uh, Yamaha offered to make him a signature model. That was also around the time he left Limp Bizkit. Right. So they made this guitar for a couple of years. And for him, and basically he wanted to go with Yamaha because even like a United Ibanez deal, he was like, you know, on the seven strings and all that. I bought a seven string because of that guy too, you know. That's awesome. But, uh, but I always just found him such a creative player. And then yeah. when, I, when I found out they were releasing a guitar for him, even though he wasn't in the band anymore, I was like, man, I got to get one of those. And I looked and looked and looked for years, could never find one. I saw him playing the weirdest guitar um, in that l- latest um, run of gigs they did. I think I had like four strings or something. Oh, uh, yeah. Re- yeah. This, like this year? Or last yeah, year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a PRS guitar? I think so, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, they made him a custom four-string. It's like a it's like a baritone. Not a baritone. It's like a four-string weird baritone okay. guitar. He had one of those, too, back in the day. But, yeah, right. they made him one with a, with a tremolo. Such just, a cool guy. Just I love basically it. for doing, like, power chords and, and like, bends. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's dope. Well, I love this because I can play that kind of music on it. But, yeah, they made it. They made it. There's only, like, a few hundred of them out there. Yeah. I bought a white one as well, too. I, when I, I, I was out in L.A., and I, I saw one on, on Reverb.com, and I'm like, oh, cool. oh, I'm like, I'm going to send this guy a message. I'm in L.A. I'm going to go. I'm going to talk to this guy. Yeah. And he met me, and I was like, I can't not buy this guitar. Way too much money. This was the middle of the pandemic. I hadn't worked for like five months. And I was just like, take my savings. <laughs> that actually, that yeah. actually um, brings me real quick to a, yeah. a question that I, I hadn't asked and I'm yeah. curious about, which is, um, have you done much stuff out of state with the DJ? Not as much as I'd like. Right. Um, I have played in Japan as well, too. Oh, know? wow. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's a, I always, always milk in that connection. <laughs> I DJed in Japan. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> oh, my God. I DJ. Oh, no, my God. I'm, Hang on. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I've never been to Japan. Yeah. I can claim that one. I DJed at a yeah, Japanese yeah. restaurant. Does that count? <laughs> <laughs> we were trying to seem cool to the people who were uh, the record label. Yeah. And, and they were like, what can we do that's different? And it's like, oh, Ben, ben can kind of DJ. Yeah. So they had me DJ at night. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, all right, yeah. So then the the third thing is this really cool um, pedal. Well, yes. Um, can you tell us a little bit about this bad boy? Yes. Uh, speaking of Japan, that one is from uh, my good buddies at Vero City Pedals. They right. make awesome stuff. I wish uh, we had a U.S. distributor, but maybe somebody listening would uh, be interested in doing that. Um, basically, this pedal was um, okay. So I mentioned earlier, there's my buddy Hiroshi who introduced me to all my uh, booking connections in in, in Tokyo. Yeah. Uh, this is his company. 
Okay. With a partner. And um, so we, we've kept in touch, you know, ever since I lived out there, which was like 2006, 2007, was it when I was out there? Yeah. Anyway, fast forward to Octogato. I was out there and he had, he had this new pedal company and he's like, hey, you want to try a few things out? I went to his little home studio, which is amazing, by the way. He has right. a, a shoebox Tokyo apartment with a vocal booth in it. It's insane. That's awesome. And he makes insane pedals That's like this. Uh, this one is a dual overdrive pedal. Uh, the right side is sort of based on an OCD version 3. Okay. For the nerds out there. Yeah, cool. V3 um, with a low low cut and um, a couple other, you know, tweaks to the circuit. And then the left side is like kind of like a Marshall GTM 45 kind of vibe. Okay. So I made this for Octogato. Like my, you know, I always played Fender amps with like a ton of reverb, but I always needed some grit over the top of that. So that's like kind of on all the time. Yeah. for Octogato type sound. And then uh, the right side was my, my solo boost. Yeah, I'm dying for a pedal that has a couple of different overdrives on it, and I'm really curious to see what that sounds. Yeah. Well, I can remember. I remember seeing you live. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah. is that the You're pedal? You plug been... it in if you want. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it later. It's in the... studio. All right. So the last thing we do on this uh, podcast is we talk about what you've got coming up. Yeah. So uh, have you got any shows in the pipes? Yeah, always shows. I probably have to look in my brain here, which is my phone, to, yeah, to, yeah. to know what they are. I'm trying to think of what's coming up that's, uh, that's particularly exciting. Oh, I'll tell you about, let's talk about my new residency. Uh, my oh, new yeah. residency is at a place called La Playa Day Club. Right. Uh, and that's on Fort Lauderdale Beach, um, yep. just south of Las Olas, right where the, the road uh, kind of, I don't know, V's over there right by the beach. Um, okay. If you've heard of Tortuga Fest, it's right across from where they have that every year. Nice. Um, beautiful, beautiful scenery. I mean, this is one of the things I love about DJing. You know, there's no punk bar with a with it with a beach view. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, and I, I am, uh, you know, I, I have a soft spot for beach views. And no, I get and, it. You know, Hawaiian shirts and anything yeah. beachy. You know, <laughs> even though I burn immediately going out into the sun. You know, I like I like to enjoy the beach from you know, like from a roof or like a cabana vibe. You know? Yeah, right, yeah, right, right. Like yeah, a frozen yeah. drink. Like that's my beach vibe. <laughs> but yeah, Nothing I'm, wrong I'm there. That. What's that? <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. No, no, no. Uh, but yeah, I'm out there Saturdays. Uh, and it is all house music as well, too, on the weekend. Um, cool. We've been bringing in some really, um, really great national talent. I played with uh, uh, Todd Terry, who's like a really notable, um, you know, New York house music legend, you know, DJ producer. Uh, and then the week after that, I, I was able to open for uh, it was Anthony Atala. And um, who else do we have on that? Oh, my God, I'm blanking out right now. Anyway, but yeah, great, you know, great, great spot. Love it. Is that something that you're... Are you involved in um, who gets booked on that at all? Like, are you involved with the promotion of? What you know, I mean, there? I've worked with the with the marketing team on a lot of on a lot of different events. I'm not a part of the marketing team, but right. we've we've known each other for a while. Actually, they were very uh, they're, so they're they're. Um, uh, it's it's called Electric Love Productions. They do a lot of the stuff there, and yeah. um, I actually got linked up with them. Um, they used to run a producer meetup out of a club called Cash Only in Fort in Fort Lauderdale. That's right. another one that closed. Unfortunately, that was a pandemic casualty, but. What they did when they had that, they were the marketing team, and they also were bringing. They were trying to bring in new talent to the club, so they had this I don't know biweekly producer meetup. And that's yeah. how I got linked in with a lot of the house music people that I know now. So really grateful for them. Yeah, for doing cool. That. Yeah, fantastic. So what's Killbilly's got going on? Let's take a look. Yeah, we always do this. Oh, you know, Friday what? we're playing at Conchi Joe's. Yeah, that's right. Conky Joe's. Conky. Conky Joe's. Conky I I'd say con. I say con. I think I say conkies. You say conkies. You say conk or conch. Conk. Okay, yeah. let's go with Con- Conky, Conky Joe's. That's in Jensen Beach. Jensen Beach. Okay. Yeah, and it's a cool spot. We're playing there from um, 8 to 11, and they've just built a new stage outside. So nice. It's on their new stage, which apparently is really awesome. Um, we haven't played there since it's been built, uh, so I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, that'll be fun. And um, anyone who um, 
listens to the podcast and comes to watch us play we um if you've seen any um promotion about us playing at pirates cove on april 1st we are not we are at conky joe's just in case that um you hear this and and you were confused about that because the gig got changed about a couple of weeks ago yep so that'll that'll be fun yeah and then saturday all day 561 music festival if you're not there you're dead. You're dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's going to be a lot of fun. You should definitely come. It's 12 until about 11, 11.30. And then afterwards, we're doing a after party at Propaganda. And that goes until um, Matt tells everyone to leave. The which wee could be hours of the any morning. time in the morning. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so and that's, that's uh, yeah. Mar- Marlon's going to be... Uh, yeah, Marlon's spinning at the after party. Yep. And, um, you know, we, we said who's playing at um, the festival at the top of the show, but maybe we could uh, reiterate it. Sure. We've got, let's see. Marlon has some music coming out, by the way. That's right. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I believe the tune is called Fuck Your Crew. Is it? And it is a jam. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> there is a ton of music that's been released, like, in the last, like, say, three weeks, four weeks. Yeah. From yeah. from artists that are going to be playing at this festival on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, Sierra Lane's got a new song. Yeah, it's great. Um, I think uh, Joy Calderaio just released something. Yeah, um, you're saying Marlon's going to be releasing something. Yeah, He's going to be shake. the part. The Shake just released a whole album. Yeah, um, Sam Man Sleep. Sam Man Sleep just released an album and. Yeah. Um, Sons of a Tradesman just released an album. Yeah, it's crazy. And, uh, you know, we're not far off the back of um, the no- of No Name releasing that record either. Yeah, there's, yeah. yeah there's, there's a, a lot of new music that just came out recently. And, and yep. you know, so this is this is good for these bands. Yeah, and so just in case uh, you skip to the end of the podcast, on the festival we have Spread the Dub, Sierra Lane, Sons of a Tradesman, No Name Scar Band, Bryce Allen Band, Victoria Lee, Joe Calderao, BFD, which is um, Butch and the Fat Dubes, The Shake, Jake Warden Band, Sandman Sleeps, Fall Victim, Jacob Tacos, Josh Miles, Dominic Delaney, me, Alyssa <laughs> Kuhn, Fox Maple, and Paper Carcass. And it is from midday to 11 p.m. And you can get the tickets online or you can just show up. And even if you don't have cash, there is a, there's a cash machine right there. There's so, an ATM. So there, you're yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're good to go. And then, um, and then Sunday we are at... That's right. Yeah, we're at the Gardens Green Market at 9 a.m. Yeah, so um, so someone, <laughs> someone, I don't know who, uh, booked us a gig at 9 a.m. the day after we put on a festival. It's going to be rough. <laughs> <laughs> in, so, all, in all fairness, the other someone at this table booked us a gig... The Friday night prior in Jensen Beach, so yeah, you so, know, right. six of one, half a dozen of okay. another. All right, I'll Let's take not, weekend. Let's not point <laughs> fingers here. <laughs> I literally did point a finger. That's pretty yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, you're right. It's fair enough. <laughs> take but, one day off, guys. Yeah, exactly. Recharge, recharge day for sure. <laughs> we are actually filming this um, at my uh, my weekday job, so. Uh, um, He'll not now know if I take a sip. Oh, man. <laughs> you really boxed in. You really boxed in. I know, in yeah. Okay, I just well, got to do it. Sleep on Tuesday, I guess. Right <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, it's all good. Come and, come and hang out with us at the festival. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And um, thank you so much, Mike, for coming oh, on the show. And, yeah. Uh, thank you for your support, you know, in 561 and everywhere. We need oh, people yeah. supporting local music, putting it out there, doing yeah, what man. you guys do. Thank you so much. Yeah, appreciate man. I appreciate it. it. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Cool. Peace. Take it, Come and check it out.